1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Astros Baseball. We got a great show for you today. Uh, We're going to talk about what Chapman's contract does for Bregman. We also got a little bit of recaps from the spring chaining games. Talking about Christian Javier. He wants to bounce back. Can he bounce back? I saw a story uh, on MLB.com. It was like 10 players that need a bounce back season or could have one. So let's talk about that. Also, Framber Valdez, he wants to be more consistent. You know how he started off really good, ended bad. He wants to be consistent. Jacob Melton, the number one prospect. Can he power his way onto the MLB roster? That's the story. And McTaggart has his opening day roster predictions. Not too much different than they used to be, but still, nice conversation. And then we're going to go down on the farm. Talk a little bit on down on the farm. But first... What's up, fellas? Wally and Ryan are joining me. It's just the three stooges today. Yeah, <laughs> Of course.
2: Yeah, no, it's going, it's going fine. It, it, the Astros are, are still on a really nice development path. Uh everything is 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 going forward nice and smooth. You know, the the, the a few little hitches here and there, but for the most part, it, it's been a, a very
3: good spring training. Yeah, I've liked what I've seen so far in spring training. Um, we'll dig into a few of those things specifically from Ber's outing, um, but you know, it's uh, it's nice to have baseball to talk about for real baseball to talk about. So, yeah. uh, Jake had a good day. Singleton had a good day. Yiner went bomb. Um, anyway, so it's it's good stuff. Yep, excited to uh, to see baseball regularly on on my phone and uh and on the big screen
1: i don't have anything from today on my notes but uh from the chat group we have it seems like there's a lot going on and mm-hmm. you mentioned maybe there was a it rained and they're going to stop the game
2: yeah they did stop the game today after uh, six innings it started mm-hmm. raining at the top of the fifth and yeah. um when they pulled the when they pulled the tarp, it was no surprise that that the game was over. Jake had a good day. Like Ryan said, Jake had a good day. He's hitting 444. Singleton starting to hit a little bit, had a really nice double. Uh Jolks has had a as a super spring. He, you know, after that 0 for 36 he had last year, I was wondering if we were ever going to see him again. Yep. Will Wagner had a hit, which good day, bad day for Will, because he
3: got a hit and then he got sent down.
1: <laughs> it's not a bad day. All uh, right,
3: Arcidi so had a good outing. So yeah, overall great day.
1: I, I love yeah. the Urquidy, uh, the way Arcidi's pitching. I know they're only throwing like two innings. My boy threw another couple of scoreless innings. He also got sent back down. Uh, but what a great showing by him! Uh, so we we had an earlier podcast. We talked about uh, your win loss record as it relates to making the playoffs, and it helps to have one for some reason. And coming into today, the Astros are 5-4, and and that's after losing two games in one day. They've scored 36 runs, and they've allowed uh, 35. They beat the Mets 2-1. to Blanco, another great outing, two and two-thirds innings. Looked like they stretched them out a bit. Two hits and a walk, two strikeouts. Hasn't given up a run yet in his two outings. Uh, Dubon and Cesar Salazar. I don't know if we're going to see him on the big league team this year. They both had RBIs. Uh, they scored a lot of runs against Washington 10 to 8. Whitcomb, two for three with three RBIs. He's hitting 500, unless he played today. A 1250 OPS. Kessinger drove in two. Melton had a huge bomb. He was one for three, drove in two runs. Uh, we can stop here for a second, even though we're going to talk about him <laughs> later. Framber Valdez, five, I mean, one in a third inning, five hits, three runs. Uh, Does that worry you guys at all, or should we save that for the Framber uh, section?
2: Let's just talk about Framber now. Go ahead.
3: We can we can we can do the Framber section. (laughs) Yeah, let's do the Framber section.
1: (laughs) Okay, on a whim, right? It's coming up though. Uh, Anyway, uh, seven to one. Christian Javier, three innings, two walks, and three strikeouts. Javier's looking good. We also have a Javier section. Uh, Montero, Hader, and Abreu, they all pitched scoreless innings. Altuve and Jordan had RBIs, and Kyle Tucker went deep. What do you all seeing from these spring training games? What sticks out to you? What are you happy about? Is there anything that worries you? Go ahead, Ryan.
3: Okay. Um, I love the contact that I'm seeing these guys making. Um, not just the contact, but, you know, we heard a spot say the other day about how much they want to concentrate on hitting runs and being aggressive on the base pass. I think that game against the Nationals um, was proof positive that they're working on that stuff. Um, going back and, and looking through the box and looking through the play-by-play on that, you can see that they're they're putting just a little bit more energy into what they're doing on the base paths and being a little bit more aggressive. Even this early in spring, it's awesome to see, not necessarily that that carries over to full-blown what it is now into the season, But I think that uh, seeing some of these things going on that are um, what we've been told they're going to work on and we're actually seeing it happening is is really, really good. Um, I love seeing guys like Jake um, make contact and make good contact and getting good base hits, legging out doubles. Um, You know, Yiner hit a bomb today. Uh, We're just seeing these guys come out swinging and looking really good and does spring training always translate to the the season not always we've seen Bregman have a really good spring training and come out really flat in the beginning of of the season Tucker's done it um you know heck even Altuve's had a few years where he's come out of spring training looking great and and started a little flat so um too early to tell still maybe you can say but at the same time I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things to be positive um, and to, to start paying attention to that gives me a lot of confidence as to what a spot is really trying to do with this team. So I love it. Yeah. I think the pitching is
2: so far the save, save frombers outing the other day has been really good. You you saw Javier throw three today. He he, uh, no hits. As yesterday, he uh, three innings, no hits, two walks. One of the things I read about what they're trying to do with Javier is get him more, more upright in his delivery, so that would give more of his right more ride on his fastball. said last year he got bent over too much and he lost that ride and he was easier to hit. and He lost control. Um, today, Urquidy was good. Urquidy is Urquidy. If, if we can get uh, Urquidy to 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 pitch to a 3.75 ERA and just do what he does that that'll be fantastic frombert said he was or they said Fromberg was trying to call his own pitches uh you know there's two schools of thought of that you know to help maybe it'll help Fromberg clear his mind There's the other other part which seems to be more likely that you know fromber has enough going on in his head and he ought to just offload that to somebody else and just throw um he can be so good, and then all of a sudden, go go off the off the rails. We call it good fromber and bad fromber.
1: Yeah, I mean the catchers and the team, uh, the coaches, they they work this game plan out. They you know they they uh, scout all these players. They know what they swing at. They know what they swing at late. They know what they swing at early. And that's the catcher's job to know all this. So why not just let him do it? I've seen a couple of pitchers uh, last year. You know they had the, the the thing on their glove, but uh, I don't know. I think he's good enough. He's good enough to do it himself, but he's already in his head enough. Why why even add yeah. that to a, a? But I don't know. Maybe it keeps he, you from he's sh- so, shaking he's things so off, volatile. Though.
2: He's so volatile, he and to me, it's it that the that adding one more variable into the equation just on the surface seems like a bad idea.
1: All right, the next topic is. Uh, Chapman. What's Chapman's first name? It's just not coming to me. right now. Matt. It's Matt. Yeah. Matt Chapman. Yeah. He got his contract. Yeah. Wally's going to start talking about it. And What does that do for Bregman, Wally?
2: Yeah, well, first off, on the contract itself, it's another Boards client, and it's with the numbers uh, a little different, but it's it's pretty much the same contract that, um, that Bellinger got. Again, the numbers are different. Bellinger was 30-30-20. These are 2018 and 16 or something along along those lines. Um, really, it's a pillow deal. If he hits, if he plays anything close to what he should, it's a one year deal. And the Giants are actually calling it a one year deal. Listen to MLB Radio today. Um, Ch- the difference between Chapman and and Bregman is is defensively, although they're they're similar. Bre- Chapman's certainly a, a gold glover. Bregman's excellent, but as a hitter, there's no comparison. Chapman strikes out 30% of the time. Bregman strikes out 13% of the time. Chapman's a 22 70 guy. Bregman's a 25 95 guy. Uh, you know, they just, there's just no, neither of them are base dealers. Bregman's a good base runner. I haven't seen enough of Chapman to tell you if he's a great base runner or not. We, you know, that needs to be seen on a daily basis. Um, as far as what it does to the contract for Bregman, I'm not sure it makes that much difference because the difference between the two, uh, two's performance is, is so vast on the offensive side. Now Bregman could change that by having a bad year and Chapman could change it by having a good year. But as it stands right now, I think Bregman's going to be looking at the same bargaining position that he had before.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I think what this what this shows us is that as much as we love Bregman, so this isn't a dog on Bregman se- segment <laughs> by any means. No, but I think what this shows us is that Bregman's not an eight two forty guy like a lot of people have talked that he is. He's not going to go get thirty million dollars a year on a long term contract, um, especially in a twenty twenty five free agent season. I, I mean. 2026 is the pending lockout. Nobody thinks that there's not going to be a lockout in 26 because of the CBA. So I think what we're seeing here with these Boris clients and what Wally calls the pillow deals are owners that are one feeling the pain of the, of the regional sports network deals and two looking at the potential of a lockout in 26 and, What's that going to do? Can they get enough out of that? Can can they get enough out of that to change a little bit of the market in what the way they're paying these guys? Um, I don't think any of these owners like and love their 10 and 12 year long term deals. They hate them. And so they're setting up for 26, in my opinion. And you've got these top shelf guys that are Boris clients that are all sitting there who want their long-term deals and the owners aren't budging. And I kind of, I kind of like it a little bit. I mean, I'm for the players, right? Make your money, get paid what you're worth. Um, But at the same time, we've seen how many of these big long-term 10 and 12 year contracts, hamstring teams that could otherwise probably put together a team and be competitive every three or four years. Um, I think this contract, what it does is it it opens Breggy's line of communication to the Astros and a reasonable extension wide open, honestly. Uh, not even talking about the whole Tucker part of this equation, but Bregman had to see that contract come down and go, Whoa, the market's yep. not there for a $30 million deal for eight years. So, um, I think this benefits the Astros. I think there's an opportunity here now a little bit because I think everybody was waiting to see the Chapman shoe fall and to find out what Chappie got. And to see it hit this way the way that it did shows that there's not a lot of confidence in you know, top-shelf guys getting these long-term deals again. So it's an interesting take. It's, it's, it really is an interesting situation to see uh, and to know that Bregman's walking into this basically this the same thing that Chapman just walked into. Bregman's walking into it and he'll be a year older than Chapman yeah. was when he hits free agency.
1: It definitely you know, what changed you my on, mind about
2: yeah, it. Yeah, you, Brian, you said something really important is that the RSNs, you know, when you listen to the, the people on the say MLB radio who who's, who should be in the know, they, they've got so many uh, front offices talking to them and saying they really don't know what to spend because the RSN is so up in the air. One would expect by the end of this offseason the RSN will be at least somewhat settled and it could help, you know, a market, a market for a guy like Bregman. Um, I hope, I hope they can get something done pretty quickly because the longer this goes, the less chance he has of sticking with us.
1: So did this deal have uh, an opt out? Is that why you I didn't really, I saw the numbers, but yeah, I didn't really it's, get into it. Yeah.
2: It's a three year deal and he can opt out after every
1: year. Dang. Um, So, yeah. Who else? Someone had that deal before, right? And they could just opt out. Bellinger. Bellinger. No, but like uh, a few years ago, maybe it was Correa. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So, anyway, to me, I was thinking Bregman was going to be a long term expensive uh, signing, but after this, maybe not. That gives me a little bit more confidence that Bregman could be an Astro for life. So let's talk could about they, this. Could they
3: give Bregman what they gave Altuve with a little bit extra? Yeah. Does he go 5-1-20, one, 150, you know, and take 25 a year for five years or six years, yeah. you know? It's interesting you know, to, to me, think about what this did, yeah. To me, this feels
2: like a 5 one 25, 4 110 type of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, If He I wants he to go get shorter same, years. I think he could get the same contract, but not so team friendly. The last two years, that'll work out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could,
2: I could certainly see him getting a little more AAV if the, if he goes four years, uh, five mm-hmm. years, a little more money, a little less AAV.
1: I say more and less. Let's do that. All right. So next topic is Chris, Can Christian Javier bounce back in 2022? An ERA of 2.54, a 33.1 strikeout rate. one po- uh, He had a 170 batting average against. And if you go to last year, his ERA ballooned up to 456, and his batting average against went up 70 points to 234. Uh, he's 27. He's in his prime. He comes in in great shape. So far in spring training, three innings, no hits, three strikeouts, two walks uh 31 strikes on 51 pitches so how confident are you fellas that uh CJ is going to bounce back because after that 2022 year it was like yeah he's one of the guys that could get the cy young he, he's one of the guys that could uh lead the league in strikeouts but uh what do you think Wally about old Christian Javier bouncing back
2: well he his first his first out, outings have been real good if if they truly found what that mechanical issue is, then that's great for for Javier, great for the Astros. You know, he's on a a five-year, sixty-four million dollar extension. You know, which could be team friendly, but then again, if he doesn't throw strikes, you know, it's not going to be so team friendly. He kind of Javier kind of profiles as a right-handed Blake Snell, really, because he um, they both don't go go many innings they both have electric fastballs they both walk a lot of people you know so you've got javier uh you getting a right-handed Snell at about you know a fifth of the price of what Snell wants or whatever or about a third of the price of what Snell wants uh you can't have too many guys like that in your in your uh, uh rotation or you'll burn your bullpen so let's hope he does and hope he can be a you know 6-7 inning pitcher that rather than a 5-6 inning pitcher
3: yeah, that was going to be one thing that I kind of hit on is I'd I'd love to see Javier with some depth this year, um, and go deeper into some games. And aside from that, I I I also think that we talked a little bit about you know the rise on his fastball and this invisible ball that he's really known for and was the reason that everybody has been so high on Javier. Um, I I think that they're you said they're going to do some mechanical work on that. He looked like he came to camp a little bit slimmer as well, and maybe a little bit more fit this year. And so I think that there's an opportunity here for Fromber or for, um, for Javier that, uh, that he can have a bounce back year. You know, I, I, as much as so many of us really loved Maldi and loved to hate Maldi at the same time, I honestly think that maybe Maldi, not being here this year might be good for these guys as well because it's going to draw them out of their comfort zone just a little bit and make them work harder as opposed to relying on some of the things that they probably relied on Maldi for um and you have a young stud behind the plate and you've got you know Caratini who is a veteran he, he, he's good he knows what he's doing back there too um but it mixed up the you know mixed it up a little bit and sometimes we say in baseball that you know maybe sometimes a change of scenery is good for a player Maybe this Maldi leaving thing will will end up being good for these guys because they have to dig a little bit deeper and find what what really works um, and focus on some of those types of things instead of really kind of leaning on Maldi for hopefully the game planning part of this game will go better and I don't have to be as good. Now maybe they have to rely on their stuff a little bit more. Not saying that Yiner doesn't have the ability to call a good game, but you know, like you said earlier, Rob, they've got game planning coaches. They know what the game plan is going in there. You and I can halfway stand behind home plate and maybe catch a ball and and know the game plan because it's all set up ahead of time with the analytics and R&D department and all the stuff that they have. So I don't think a cerebral catcher is is as needed in the league as much as it used to be. And not to say that um, there's no benefit to that, but maybe that change of scenery along with some of these mechanical things that they're doing with javier can bring that invisible back uh and can really help him focus in and and be the guy that is back in the cy young talks again yeah
2: what i like about javier and you put this on on urquidy as well is they're both so so unflappable you know someone could say hey the the locker room's on fire and they'd say shut up and give me the ball
1: So we want Javier to go longer. If you look at this outing, although it is spring training, it was his debut. He did go three innings, and he threw 51 pitches. So that's five innings. Maybe he can go six, two walks. He didn't have any – he gave up any hits, but he had two walks. So that's you know – he's got to keep the pitch count down. And also in the same game, I believe, Josh Hader made his debut. He threw a scoreless inning, gave up one hit, and he threw nine of his 15 pitches for strikes.
3: Hmm. I think that's going to be the key for Javier. Um, it, you know, I think sometimes last year there were there were a few times where some of us were saying that it felt like he was just trying to get a little bit pretty. Again, I don't know if that was him mm-hmm. or I don't know if it was what Maldi was calling. Um, but Javier is a guy that can sh- he can attack the zone. Um, and when you start getting pretty and start nipping at the edges a little bit too much and get off of what you're really built to throw. It can it can damage you. It can hurt you, and I think maybe that's a little bit of what happened with uh, with Javier last year. So love to see him get back into focus on attacking the zone. The thing that I liked best of yesterday's game was you know the hidden
2: the the hidden line that that should really encourage Astros fans was one one inning, one hit, one strikeout for Ron, Rafael Montero. Yeah. If Rafael Montero is if Rafael Montero is the the same Montero is 22, this could be a really, really scary pitching staff.
1: We could do like three sections on bounce back. Bouncing back because you could put him on there too. I don't
2: think it no <laughs> one on this team has more to bounce back than than Montero.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was excited too because he was the first guy. They signed him right away. They're like, we need this guy. Let's sign him. But now let's talk about Framber Valdez, who was our ace. They got JV. I think JV's probably the ace now. Uh, seven and six with a 2.51 ERA. I've said this before, but I never had the actual stats to, to back it up. Seven and six with a 2.51 ERA in his first 17 starts. Five and five with a 4.6. So I even blew it up a little bit. I thought his ERA was closer to six. I apologize that for that, but it did have a couple of sixes. Uh, but he lost all three of his playoff starts, 0-3 with a 9 ERA in the playoffs. Uh, he said it's in the past, but obviously we're always working uh, just to get better than we were in 23, try to get more consistent. Uh, three runs, five hits. He gave up a homer in an inning and a third. Uh, Valdez did say, though, that he was only – uh, use throwing at 40 to 50% intensity. So it wasn't the whole Framber. It was just spring training Framber. It was Framber without the hair, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I you want know. to add on Framber
3: <laughs> kind of talked about I,
1: him earlier. Yeah. Right?
3: We kind of, we kind of, we kind of <laughs> hit on that
1: a little bit more
3: earlier. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things for Framber that, I mean, he came to camp. It's thinner. and and a little bit more in shape and you know, he's a, he's a, uh, a profuse sweater, (laughs) right? So I don't know. That's just a natural thing that he has, but maybe the extra weight that he was carrying around had a little something to do with, with that. And you know, if he was getting worn out and the pitch clock issue and you know, there were a lot of times where he did, he just looked, he just looked taxed. Uh, He looked whooped out there. And I think that, and hope that Losing a little bit of weight, coming back to camp a little bit better in shape. Again, a little change of scenery in and within what's going on with the team. Maybe it'll it'll do him some good, you know. Um, I think that last year there were a lot of things that happened that threw him off. And I think the playoffs were another one of those things where they didn't stick to what Fromber is good at. They tried to get a little bit pretty. And try to do a things, try to do some things that seemed a little off-kilter compared to what they normally do with Fromber as far as game planning and some of the pitch sequences that he throws. You extrapolate some of that stuff out and it, it ends up messing with anybody's mind to a certain extent. Better yet, somebody who's known for having a short fuse when it comes to, you know, losing it. So I think if we can. See them focus in on some of those things with him this year and and preparing him over spring training to do it. I don't care if he gives up twenty five runs in spring training as long as we can see yeah. progress made in some of those areas for him. Prober seems like the
2: kind of guy that you just want to give him some simple simple instructions yeah. and just go do. you know he's got he's got the best curveball in baseball. Uh, or or one of them. He throws fastball at, at 96, 97, probably could use some taking some speed off that that fastball so he gets more movement. Um, the, the tools are there. Uh, just clear his head. Just tell him, go pitch. Don't worry what's going on. Bad things are going to happen. and Just keep it in the right direction.
1: You look back at those stats that I read, 0-3 with a 9 ERA in the playoffs. We were just one Frammer Valdez win yeah if he would have just had one really good lights out game we'd have been in the World Series and yep. more likely we would have won it but yep. anyway before we get well, to Janton and, and
2: and Javier too if we can stop it because we were at game six with the uh, uh against the Rangers and that Javier threw that ball to Seeger and I, it's it that is <laughs> That that was a hit as far as anything I've seen hit. I yeah, think it and get landed and in Baytown. That was just that was <laughs> a bomb. All
1: right. So before we get to Jacob Elton, we have a a question for Wally. What's that? It's right here from Alex Graham. Question for Wally. How would you rate the Longhorn's performance in Minute Made this weekend?
2: Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Well, it's disappointing to lose to, um, it's disappointing to lose to Texas state. It's nice to beat, uh, Vanderbilt. I guess they beat Vanderbilt today, didn't they? They were beating Vanderbilt pretty good. Um, I didn't see the end of it. The, um, LSU is LSU. So, you know, to go to beat LSU would be a, would be a a plus. So, you know, it's less than you would expect, but it looks like they at least got out there with with at least one win, assuming they beat Vanderbilt.
1: Alex said they lost.
2: Oh, they did? So it's 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 a bummer.
1: <laughs> hey, Alex, thank you for uh, watching, and thank you for that uh, question for Wally. So that could be a segment, Ask Wally. All right. Questions so for Wally. <laughs> so I know y'all are guys are – I know Wally's excited about talking about this. Can Jacob Melton power his way to the majors? (laughs) We already talked about that he got sent back to uh, minor leagues. But for me, I think they're just going back with their team, get used to their catcher, get used to their – because there's no reason for them to stay here because they're not going to make the roster no matter how good they are. Uh, Joe Espada said, we do like his bat. He's a true center fielder that can play the corners. We have Jake, we have Chaz uh jacob melton said i'm just trying to clean up the swing and uh simplifying things a lot I, he needs to execute his best swing more often uh brian mctaggart said melton could be knocking on the door soon and with uh jake myers if he's not the man when that door comes a knocking it could be jacob melton
2: yeah, it's if 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 Melton comes up and plays, that's what you call rich people's problems. It's good teams' problems <laughs> to having having somebody that that's good enough to to push another good player out of the way. Reading between the lines in the articles that we saw on Melton is they say he's got he's got flashes. Now he just needs to work on being consistent. Yep. No doubt, everybody sees the tools that are there, but you've got to do it every time or almost every time, rather than once or twice a game um you saw the power the other day hitting a hitting an opposite field home run he's a left-handed bat and you can always use a, a good left-handed bat in the outfield he's fast he can play center field he can also you know if he can play center he can also play the corners i'm assuming he's got a strong enough arm to play right since they put him there uh it's just waiting his turn just go perform and wait your turn
1: yeah yeah i think being- Oh, so sorry, right. No, go I, ahead. You was talking about being more consistent. He did have a home run and he was one for three. So mm, his yeah. one hit was a home run. Not that one for three isn't bad. I'll take that every game. No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I think they want to work on his strikeouts a little bit, right? Um, I think that's one of the things that um that I saw on him that uh, you know, he had 16 strikeouts and 56 at bats in in corpus um last year look the 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 guy is a high slugging percentage guy um you know he, he carries an ops right around what jake myers carried as an ops uh in in the minors so i think it's it'll be interesting to see now that he's going back down has a taste for the big club um and sees and hears some of the rumblings of potentially being, you know, called up and the next guy in waiting, how that really encourages him to perform down there in Sugarland. So I think that we could see Milton if Jake doesn't, if, if we get to May and Jake is not done and hitting, you know, 800 OPS, 750 OPS and, you know, getting us his elite defense, then I think that we're going to see a chance there for a Melton call up. They're high on this kid. And I think that they're just itching for a reason to bring him up and let him go. What will actually, you know, drive that decision. We'll have to wait and see.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich.
2: It appears that when the Astros got Verlander back, the question was, do we give them Gilbert or do we give them Melton? And and Brown said, made his decision, he was going to keep Melton. See, I think he sees the upside of Melton. You know, I think with Gilbert, he, uh, you know, smaller guy, he's energetic, but, you know, smaller guys don't have the, typically don't have the endurance that the bigger guys do. Sounds mm-hmm. like Clifford was... There was no question Clifford was going to go.
1: So another young star that has is having a good spring, and uh, like I said earlier, it's not a bad thing to get sent back down to to minor leagues because that's where you're going to start. Even my boy four scoreless innings, Red Coba. You learn how to say his name, uh, <laughs> Joey Loperfido. Five games, four for nine, a double, an RBI, three walks, three strikeouts. Hitting 444. Uh 1.139 OPS. No stolen bases. But you guys are pretty excited about this guy, too, right? Oh, yeah.
3: Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they they haven't sent him down. You know, this is a kid that hits for power. Um, and and when he does, it's he, he's, you know, there's no question about it, really. Uh, he's an athletic kid who can play, you know, four or five positions on the field. And he's another one that I think that they're really high on, he, you know, with Luperfito being what Luperfito is and, and potentially who he is. For me, it brings into question Dubon's future with this team. Um, he's not quite as versatile from a defensive standpoint, but as a utility guy, if they can teach him to play some third yeah. and uh, he's, a, you know he's a guy that could potentially come in cheap and take over Dubon's you know Dubon's spot because Dubon got his three and a half million this year Dubon's gonna cost five six maybe seven next year
2: mm-hmm.
3: um if if he has a decent showing this year in Arb so Dubon could be a trade piece in the offseason if uh, if they feel like Luprofito can be somebody that they can bring in and use as that kind of multiple utility super utility kind of guy yep mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see how
2: Lopredo does more against the A the A players. I, last week he started against the Marlins, but you know, like we saw with Dearden last year. Yeah, you know, tell me what these guys do in the last week and a half of spring training when they're going against Cole and they're going against um, the the top notch pitchers of the other of the other teams. Um, yeah, you know, he's he's definitely a uh, he's a twenty five year old. So he's getting to the point where he needs to needs to come up if he's going to be a be a real contributor. Um, he he seems to you know, to have the tools. He seems to be a player, but let's see what he does against the against the front line.
1: Yep, I've talked to Luke about his career, and he you know he's up in Triple A now, and he that's what he said. The biggest difference is that the pitchers. Every level you go up, the pitchers are just so much better. So if you're tearing, just like Singleton, he was tearing it up last year. He comes up, he comes up to uh, the Astros, and they're just trying to get him to get a walk. You know, they're not. I mean, he could get a home run, but you know, but yeah, but well that's right.
2: you know that that was a pretty important walk that he got to. It really
1: was. It really was. It really was. But then, then I don't know. All right, never mind. I'm not gonna talk about that.
2: <laughs> so anyway,
1: Brian McTaggart has opening day roster predictions, and it's not very far off from what it was. No need to say all the other guys, but uh the up in the air positions, he has Kessinger and Jolks. You guys agree with that? Offensively. It could yeah, be they're, kinda, they're I kind of do. Yeah.
2: I kind of do that. I wish there was I wish Kessinger would bring a little more bat, but he could play a lot of positions.
1: Yeah. They have I Singleton, think that's Hensley and Cabbage, the who are the, the three left off. on the bubble guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I think Hensley probably needs to have a really good string uh, remainder of the spring in order for him to still really be considered in that conversation. I think they they love Hensley because of his versatility as well, right? Um, and they know that he can he can hit. He's just not consistent. Um, he's a baseball player, though, right? When you ice a guy, you can't, ex- can't expect him to be hot. You can expect him to be cold. And so Hensley is a guy that I think they're still high on. Uh, but he's got to come in and be able to hit off the bench. Cabbage, we all know the story there. Singleton, I think they just love – they love the story and the idea of that guy still being a part of the club. Yeah. Is he going to be able to contribute? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, when you when you look at the uh,
2: – look at the pitchers too, you've really got – you know, they've got nine players going, looking for for four spots. You've got Belak Blanco, Coleman, France, Martinez, Mashinsky, Ortega, Souza, Whitley. Souza has is the one pitcher that I've seen so far. It's uh, underwhelmed. He's given up runs. I think in every one of his uh, of his uh, starts, he gave up two today, um, and got hit pretty hard. Three straight doubles. Um, when you look at at the players there, Belak is out of options. Uh, they seem to have given up on him as a starter. They want him to be a long reliever. Blanco Blanco seems to be the one they're trying to groove as that next swing starter. Uh, France, who knows about his health. Coleman has got a live arm and they I read today that they found something in his setup that was wrong that was causing his pitches to be less, less predictable, to, to less control. You know he's he's had control issues, so you know who knows how a good lot. of it. Yeah, who knows what they found on here. Ortega's a guy. You know Whitley's there, but he's got to get on the field. And Seth Martinez is at guy. So right now, to me, it looks Blanco, Belak, France. If he's healthy, Mashinsky, because I think when it, if it comes down to Mashinsky and Martinez, they're going to want a left-hander. Yeah, and. and uh, if France isn't ready, then probably Coleman just cause, you know, he's got such a live
3: arm that they want to see if they can work with him at the big team. And unless Sousa figures out what's going on, you know, Muschinski is your only other left-hander. Right. So, yeah. I, I, which I, I is sad. Sousa, Sousa did good. so good last year towards the end yeah. of the season. I was, I was really hopeful that this guy was, you know, was going to be a, a tool that we could use, um, We'll see it, you know, his couple of outings haven't looked good. Maybe he's working on something that we don't know about too. And uh, they'll figure him out. And that'll be the guy that, you know, that they thought he was going to be. Some of these guys were the, on the bubble, you know, were the quadruple A guys that Dana picked up. They see something good that they like in them. Can we fix the other stuff? If not oh well, it didn't cost us anything. If so, great. We found a diamond in the rough, right? Yes. Sue's is a waiver claim. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so here's Brian McTaggart's list of who's going to make it. The pitchers, I didn't even know this. I wasn't aware of it. This is opening day, but uh, Bray was in a two-game suspension. Yeah,
3: oh, that's right.
1: So this is just opening was day. It- it's not really the finale, like who's going to be there, game three. But they have Coleman on there. They have. He has Whitley on here. He has Souza on here. Belak and Martinez. He has. Ortega and Mashinsky on the bubble. You know, yeah. I mean we'll it see.
3: makes it makes sense. I uh, think there's a couple of those in there. Like I said, you can just flip a coin and yeah, you might get right, you might get wrong. All these guys are, you know, are, are fringe players for a reason. Yeah. That's true. We got we got <laughs> about twenty we got about twenty more days to see how the rest of it goes, right?
1: Yep. All right. So we've been talking about young guys today. Uh Bill Ladson, he had a one-on-one with Dana Brown, who I called Dana White earlier. Uh, Dana said, we're not where we want to be as far as talking about the farm system. They hired uh, Derek Ladnier, the senior director of scouting, and Cam Pendino. He is the director of scouting. And they said, he said, we must have baseball and data people working together closely to impact the draft. So... We we had those two seasons where we didn't have draft picks. So Dana Brown acknowledges that we're not where we need to be, but he's looks like he's got the right guys in place and the right plan to uh, get us where we need to be.
3: I think they know where we are. Um, they see the writing on the wall with some of these guys. You know, Romer's contract. Javier, even though he signed that extension, is not forever that he's going to be around here, right? Verlander. We all know where that one's looking, right? McCullers, um, Luis Garcia, you know, when when you start looking a few years down the road, there's a lot of question marks for this team. And so I think that's a big reason why Crane brought Dana in here and why Dana knows that scouting is now back to where we need to go. And they've got to get out there and find a few, you know, pieces that are going to either build assets so that they can trade and sign or, what the Astros have always done, which is homegrown stuff and bring him in and just keep playing that replacement game and, and keep winning. So I think that Dana's proven his worth with what he did in Atlanta before coming here. So I have full faith in the guy that he's going to be able to put these pieces together and, and really help us put a good farm system back together. Not that the farm system's Bad. We've talked about this before. It's it's doesn't. I don't care how good the whole farm system yeah. is, as long as you're developing and you're focusing on the right tools and you're looking ahead. Which is what man. It was what Lunau did to build this team. Is he looked ahead and said, "I'm not just going to go pick the best guy uh, available at each point of the draft. I'm building a team, and so I'm very specifically targeting each and individual guy." that I draft with very specific tools, very specific skills, and the very specific things that we can develop because we know our development guys to plug them into the system so that we know that four years from now, this kid's going to go here and he's going to be ours for four, five, six years and uh, and help us win some ball games. So I, I like it. I really like hearing this. It has bits and pieces of Lunau's strategy built into it with getting back to the whole scouting is important type of uh, – mentality. So it's it's uh, it's refreshing.
2: You know, uh, we've talked we've talked about how the Astros have done so well in the international field. You know, it's a copycat league and some and others are going to figure this out. And the Astros with the the farm uh, people we brought up from the farm in the last several years have pulled to an inside straight about four times. You know, that that is that that's just not going to happen. And at some point in time, you have to get to the basics. Uh, you know you don't have to have the top farm farm system but it'd be nice to be in the top half a lot of these farm systems drop remember when the astros farm system was so good and then all of a sudden it fell apart was because bregman and tucker and all those guys came up well you you know you're going to have that 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 talent down on the farm and those guys leave your your farm system's going to suffer um knock on wood, we're gonna have the guys we have at the big club long enough to to be able to develop that farm team to where it gives us more options. And you know, as we were talking about the contracts earlier, you know, the Astros haven't had to do it yet because they've had the farm players, but they don't have to give away bad contracts
3: just to keep guys.
1: Yeah. You know?
3: Well and you brought it up pitching and that's what this is ultimately about, right? Is if you look at the Astros pitching down around the farms. Um, it's it's not something to really wave a big bright f- flag about a lot of the guys that are decent pitchers down in the far system farm system are 24, 25, 26 year old guys who you know like we said about a couple of the other guys earlier as well that their time is kind of up uh, like they need to make a move or you know you can't be a career prospect so i think hearing that they're going to focus on this pitching aspect of the farm system um and draft and development it's it's good to hear because now we know that they see what we see
1: yeah i know we don't have the strongest farm system and we know that you know we've traded some pieces away we didn't have picks like i said earlier but at least we have pieces that we're excited about we have will wagner loper fito melton uh, just, there's at least there's people there the Zenzo, at least we're not looking and, yeah, at at least club. we're not looking yep. and saying who are who are these guys like when how They're are they ever on, yeah
3: there's individual pieces there i think that you can cherry pick out and say the yeah. future is not dull right yeah you know so police. i think that's um well, it's the, one of those things that uh we have to look forward to but we, we'll we still fine. overall need to need to get back to some of those basics this is the first time in a few years when they've set
2: sent people back down that we've looked at a couple of guys and said yeah i want to keep my eye on that guy you look at Melton. you look at coba um who else got sent down those are a couple right off the top of my descenzo um those are three guys right and wagner those are four guys right off the top of my head that that you really really want to keep your eyes on and and there's there's interest in other than just being a guy
1: yeah congratulations you said his name right Yeah. <laughs> now i'm trying to like which one is right and which one is wrong these guys got me confused <laughs> but anyway see you're, that, the one, that, you're the
2: one that got called out by his mom for saying it right
1: oh um, <laughs> yeah you had I it did. right i was I saying
2: say it wrong
3: you're yeah, like koob but Cuba. i was actually just chanting it I don't know yeah I was yeah really yeah pronouncing yeah. it <laughs>
1: You're you're not supposed to know everybody. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, national all atten- TV games. All,
2: all, all attention's good, right? Yeah, all publicity's good.
1: So national TV games. Uh, Brooks Gate once again. Go follow him at Brooks Gate on X. He's a great follow. His he's got a lot of followers, and uh, his 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 tweets get a lot of attention. But he said the uh, 2024 MLB national TV games, and this is without Apple. It is. Uh, Fox, ESPN, FS1, and TBS. The Yankees have 15. The Braves, the Cubs, and the Dodgers are tied for second with 14. The Astros and the Rangers have 11. They're all against each other. I'm just kidding. Uh, Seven is Philly and St. Louis. They have 10. So if you look at the other side of the spectrum, Oakland, Toronto, and Washington, they all have zero. Colorado and Pittsburgh, they only have one. So, the question I have for you fellas this is two things, two of the co- two different comments that I've read on this post, should national games be split up more evenly so that each team gets an exposure or do people really want to watch the Oakland A's and the Reds or some, you know, a team like that? Like what 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 do you think they should do?
2: Yeah, come on, go for it, Rob. Let's, let's see how many w- people watch the Rockies and the A's.
1: Yeah, nobody.
2: <laughs> both Both family members were well entertained.
1: I don't think if you expose America to the A's and to the Reds, to Washington, the Nationals and the A's, who's going to watch that?
2: No, you you talk you talk about exposing. It sounds like it's a baseball disease, and you're not too far away.
3: <laughs> no, look the national the national TV games are at prime time. You know slots where yeah. this is where you gain fans, right? Or you have the I watch fifteen games a year fan catch a game. Those are the games that are playing in the big bars at prime time. Right. So, yeah, I I think that when you look at the genius behind marketing, you can't put the A's and the Colorado Rockies in a primetime national TV game. Most even even semi decent fans of the game might not even be able to tell you a player on either team so when you look at these (laughs) you know for real when you look at these lists if if you can't find somebody who's just a casual fan that can name a a player superstar or not on one of those teams they probably don't deserve a national tv spot so i think when you look at this and you look at the teams up and down that list it makes sense you can't get fussy about it if you're a fan of the a's or the reds or whoever doesn't get a slot Take it up with ownership. <laughs> Take it up with the club for why they're not better and being deserving of, of those time slots and the extra exposure that comes yep. with the national till of you know a national um prime time spot on on TV. So it is what it is. Yep. Those those time slots are earned. End of story. Yep.
1: Absolutely. There you go. Yep. I mean, you're trying to grow the game, right? That's what, something major league baseball wants to do. How are you going to grow the game? How are you, how are you even going to advertise that? Tune in to Fox Sports now One I, tonight for the two worst teams in baseball. Like, who's going to watch that? Making so his first sad.
3: major league start straight from Double A
1: <laughs> Greenville, Carol, you know, North Carolina.
3: Yeah, yeah. I Harder think, pitcher, I, I, think gonna, I think the A's
2: are going to. I think the A's are going to be a little better. They've got some players like Zach Geloff. Zach Geloff is is a good ball player. Good had a great rookie mm-hmm. season. Second baseman. They've got some people to look at. The Rockies, my word, are they are they nondescript?
1: Can the A's finish fourth in the AOS?
2: I don't know. I don't know. Washington's a pretty good manager. He'll get the most out of the Angels, but you know the Angels team's pretty bad. The battle for fourth.
1: All may right, the fourth it is time be, for final. May the, may the fourth be with you. May the be with we missed our. Uh, sweet spot, of 40. So, all right, final thoughts. Let's start with Wally.
2: A couple of things, uh, not baseball related at all, but for those of you who have watched ESPN for a long time, uh, it, it is with sorrow that, that we find out that Chris Mortensen has passed away. He had fought cancer for a long time. Uh, he, uh, you know, certainly never met the man, but always loved his, his reports. He always had a great deal of integrity, uh, treated everyone well and seemed to be well loved. So you know prayers thoughts and prayers are with Chris Mortensen and his family. Um, second thing is JB threw his bullpen today. Uh, he think he threw 60 pitches. He felt he felt great. Let's see how he feels tomorrow because how he feels tomorrow could say a whole lot about how the Astros rotation sets up in the first part of April.
3: Yeah. I love that. Love that. Let's go JV. Um, All right. So my final thoughts are the college baseball classic has been occurring at Minute Maid park. uh, Unfortunately for my longhorns, unfortunately for your longhorns. Yes. And there is a, uh, there's a video going around of the coach of the Cajuns grabbing, uh, the pitcher, um, you know, giving him a little bit of a word. And it's really interesting to see the social media backlash about, um, a coach getting up in a player's face like that. It's college guys. They're preparing these young men for the world and for potentially professional sports. And, Not that you see that happen a lot, but my take on this is that if you've never been in the dugout in a high heat game, if you've never played sports at a really high level, you probably look at that with a little bit of thin skin and think, oh my gosh, what is that coach doing? My son, I would never um, lighten up a little bit. You know, These are men, high testosterone playing dudes on a field trying to win a battle And all of them are fired up. I think that the backlash about the coach having a heated moment with his, uh, with his player is being a little bit overplayed, have at it, hit me in the DMs if you don't, if you don't (laughs) agree, but I think there's a lot of too soft people out there that want their, uh, want their kids coddled instead of, you know, instead of uh, letting them play in the heat of the moment. So. I, I, I completely I completely agree with you. I saw that what I saw
2: was a pitcher taken on his coach, and a coach has to establish order, and he had to come back at the pitcher as hard as the as the pitcher came back at him. So I'll take your DMs, too.
3: yep.
1: I gotta agree with you, Ryan. <laughs> I think I, the world's getting a little too soft. And uh, I work in the automotive industry where we have to try to hire people to do a difficult job. You know, you're working hard all day long. You rotate shifts every two weeks. We get new people in, new young kids in. They can't even get past training. They can't even get certified to build by themselves, and they already quit. So this kind of stuff needs to be, these kids need to learn discipline. They need Mm -hmm. to learn, like, you can't do what you just did to your coach in front of everybody. Like, you have to learn your lesson. He didn't punch him. He didn't, you know, it's not a big deal. It wasn't even
3: a a hard jersey grab. I mean, he kind of just pinched his jersey and was like, hey, buddy.
1: I was laughing when you said your final thought because that was mine. I was going to talk about that as well. (laughs) We We didn't didn't share these. We didn't share them, but I'm glad you did talk about it because – I guess it's weird that there's two different people that could see that and one of them go, Yeah, that guy should shouldn't be mm-hmm. disrespectful, and the other guy, oh my God. Yeah. The coach that is too coach, hard on him. Oh my
2: goodness. Oh poor coachito mean to me.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. I, I yeah. think I think that we're all of age that we're okay with it, but somewhere in the world there's people that aren't that aren't okay with it. So hit us up in the DMs. We're all in the yeah, DMs. I- if you don't agree hey, back in
2: back in back in my day, if a coach didn't do that to somebody, you yeah. would lost all respect for him.
1: Do you remember uh um, in front of everybody. King Giles? Remember in front the King of Giles?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah.
1: They they came to get the ball from him and he got mad. Punched himself in the face. Is that this no, but when he uh <laughs> is that the same one when he disrespected yeah. Oh no, it wasn't Hinch. the
3: same time,
1: but yeah, yeah, like he he told uh AJ Hinch to go F himself because he mm-hmm. got mad that he took him out. And I think when he punched himself, that was in the that was in the World Series, I think. I think it was playoffs. the game
3: I'm pretty sure it was in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what game it was. I
1: think but. it was the game I went to because he blew the game or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. He blew the game and then he punched himself out and he never played for the Astros again. I, I don't even know where he's at. I think he's still somewhere. Or he's trying to get somewhere, but uh, anyway, that's it, folks. went over the sweet spot, almost an hour of Astros baseball for you guys to enjoy. Be sure to go to our YouTube page. You know we we're getting just very little looks because it's brand new, but we got a few episodes over a hundred. If you're if you're missing the uh, the live show, we appreciate you uh, tuning in and also commenting. But we're on YouTube, Apple, iTunes. What is it? Uh, iHeart. I Why are they both i? Heart. I? iTunes, iHeart. That's our two things. Go look wherever yeah, you get. Yeah, it's the Apple podcast. Podca- the Apple
2: podcast.
1: Oh, okay. So wherever you get your podcast, we're there. And we're on YouTube. So if you like watching in a video form, which a listener had messaged me before, like where's the videos? I like to watch videos. I'm pretty sure he's happy now. So You want to
3: see the mugs that match the yeah. uh, the tunes.
1: <laughs> yep. All right. If y'all don't have anything else. For Wally and Ryan, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball, and we'll see you next time.